Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. Hey, Sunridge. You can take a seat. Whether you're joining us online or you're right here on our campus, I just want to say Happy New Year. And uh, it's going great so far, isn't it? So far, so good, and uh, welcome to Sunridge. If, um, if you don't know who I am, if you're new here or, you know, you're a guest, I realize that people come to Sunridge for all different kinds of reasons, and you end up here in different ways. And uh, I just want to say to you, you know, Happy New Year to you as well, and everybody here is welcome. Um, that's enough of that. You guys know how I feel about you. Today, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to all of you who uh, you think that right now, as 2023 starts, you feel like you're settling in your life. I mean, you, if you're honest, you haven't seen God do something significant in your life in a really long time. And now you're willing to settle for the consolation prize. You're really not looking for God to show up in ways that you expected him to do in the past. You're just like, God, if you'll just do something, I'll accept what that is. Maybe some of you have been praying for a really, really long time for that amazing godly man to show up. And you've been believing that God would bring you that six-foot-plus ripped abs <laughs> surfer dude that has an amazing career. He's on fire for God. He's going to rock it in business. He's going to be an amazing husband. He loves kids and long walks on the beach and pina coladas. <laughs> but another year went by, and then another year, and then another year. And now you're like, God, just bring me a man. The job is optional. <laughs> he doesn't even need abs. I'll just drink pina coladas till he looks like the man I've dreamed of. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, I want this. I believe this. I believe that you want this for me, but it's not happening. Maybe some of you, you know, you had a dream to do something. Maybe you're going to start a business and it's going to be amazing. You're going to do something that you love, and it was going to be fantastic. You're going to use your entrepreneurial skills, and you're going to make a lot of money. And then one day, it was more like, God, if you'll just give me a job. If uh, even the benefits, that they're optional. Now, Lord, if you'll just help me pay the rent this month, I'll be good with that. Some of you who are parents... You were thinking you were going to be the most amazing parent ever. You were going to read books to your kids every night. You were going to tell them stories and have prayer time after dinner. And you were going to throw the perfect Pinterest birthday parties. And then one day your prayer was, God, just help me not to kill them today. In Jesus' name. You were thinking that being a parent was going to be like day after day of amazing 
But what you found yourself living is that there's nothing that they appreciate and they battle you on everything. The fact that you guys are laughing at some of these ridiculous stories that are actually real life for many of us, right? You're living where I live. I want to talk to all of you who life has taken its toll on you, <clears throat> excuse me, and you've kind of lowered your expectations of what you think God might do in your life. And I'm, today I want to give you a thought. You know, I like to always have a main thought with what I talk about for 30 or 40 minutes. And um, this thought is going to come throughout this message and throughout this new series that we're starting today. And this is a thought. You have no idea what God can do through you. You have no idea what God can do through you. Look at the person to your right and say that to them. You have no idea what God can do through you. Because really, you have no idea. I don't know, you don't know, we don't know what God could really do through us. Some of you are like, yeah, you're right, Britt. Uh, I have no idea. I haven't thought about that in a long time. And if you knew me, Britt, you would agree with me. I don't really have anything special to offer. I'm not a difference maker. I'm not sitting around thinking about all the things that God is going to do through me. I put the average in average Joe. And I'm excelling at mediocrity. And I'm shooting for the greatest average American award. But it's not my fault. It's just that I'm not that awesome. Now, I didn't come up with this big idea on my own. In fact, it's not my thought at all. And it didn't come from Sermon.com. I want to let you know that. In fact, it's not even a thought. It's actually a prayer that's not even mine either. The prayer comes from someone we all know, the Apostle Paul. And it's actually a prayer that he wrote down. Do you ever write your prayers down? Paul did. And he writes a prayer down to this fledgling church that he helped found in the city of Ephesus in the first century. And the prayer is this massive, big idea prayer. It's all about how he wants them to understand how much God loves them and everything that God can do through them. And this is how he closes that prayer in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is work with, at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forevermore. Amen. He doesn't even end it with in Jesus' name, does he? Just amen. If we were just to break that down very quickly, what Paul said is his prayer for these Christians that he was part of them coming into the kingdom of God was that he wanted them to see how amazing God's love is for them. He wanted to, them to see what God could do through them. And he wanted them to see the things that they felt were impossible at that time in their life are totally possible because that is God's wheelhouse. And he said, amen after that. And today we're starting a five-week series that we're going to call Exponential. You guys know what exponential means? It's a mathematics term. I'm not a mathematician. 
by any sense. Uh, I can do my gazintas like Jethro. Two gazinta four twice and stuff like that. Exponential as an adjective is used to describe an increase. It just becomes bigger and bigger. It's more and more and more. So let's look at the end of Paul's prayer again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we all ask, immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine, immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Do you see the exponential factor there? When it comes to faith, when it comes to life, when it comes to God's blessings, when it comes to thinking that our lives truly matter, when we think about what God might be expecting to do through us, most of us are thinking far too little about the plans that God has for us. And we probably, this is Paul's prayer, we probably won't even ask for it because we can't even imagine it. Exponential is going to be about how God takes what he has given us, who we are, the way he's made us, the experiences that we've had, the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he's given us. He takes our ordinary selves and he turns what, what he does through us into something far above what we could even imagine. Because when we're generous with God, with, with what God gives us, with who we are, the education that we've uh, been able to obtain, the way he's uniquely designed us, our resources. When we give that to him, he multiplies our impact. Something that may seem inconsequential to us, God makes exponential. Now let's go back to what Holly read from John's gospel. In fact, you know that every one of your gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographies of Jesus that start off the New Testament, every one of the gospel writers included this event. And what I've done is I've mashed them all together so we can get the full picture of the story. But I've put them on your note sheet, every section where this story appears. <clears throat> Jesus's impact in this part of Palestine is really picking up. He's gone from this little-known rabbi, from a little backwater town, to having quite a following. Sometimes thousands are showing up at this point uh, to his teaching events. John says that a huge crowd was following him wherever he went. And this is before Instagram or any social media. And we see right away that this amazing tradition emerges that Christians still follow. It's on par with baptism and communion. You have to go out to eat after the message. <laughs> you guys, this is, this is my best stuff. Stay with me here. <laughs> this is where it all started. No, actually, uh, this is first century. There's no infrastructure to take care of this situation. There's no Philippi's. There's no Lazy Dog. There's no Rosa's or McDonald's on the corner when all of these people are here with him, and in John 6, 5, Jesus turns to Philip and he asks, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And then I love this part. Verse 6, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. See, Jesus asks a question here that he already knows the answer to, but Philip has no idea 
what is happening. It's like when you, when you know something's really good coming and you want to tell somebody, so you just kind of hint at it. Like how, how many of you, like you felt really good about a Christmas present that you had for somebody this year? You were so excited to give that gift that you started hinting about it. It's like, so was it really cold surfing today? Sure would be nice to have a new wetsuit, wouldn't it? Or something, you know. And Jesus is asking them, like, where, you know, where are we going to get enough food, enough bread to feed everybody? Because he's excited about what's to come. And Philip replies in verse 7, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. You know, I think that this is, this is exactly the response Jesus was hoping to, to happen. And in Matthew and Mark's gospel, they add, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the village and buy themselves food. So it's not just, we don't have enough. We can't even imagine this. But they're saying, let's just send them away. Let them fend for themselves. And then Jesus says, according to Matthew, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples were like, Jesus, have you not been listening? There's too many of them. We don't have enough money. We were thinking that this is kind of where you do your thing, Jesus. You take over. You do one of those miracle things, and then we'll watch. And then Jesus asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? And he says, go and see. He wants them to, ex uh, to assess their situation from their perspective. What exactly do you have? Actually count them. Why? Because he wants to elicit this response back in John. Then Andrew, Simon Peter spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that? with this huge crowd. So they say, you know, there's a kid here that has five loaves of bread and two fish. That's what we got here, Jesus. How good is that? So we're out. We love serving with you, Lord. But this one is not our wheelhouse. Now, I know that most of you, maybe all of you, you know how this event goes. And I wish, you know, I wish right now, if you already, you're so familiar with this story, I could just erase it. Like, you know, I have that thing like in Men in Black where I just erase your memory. Or those of you who don't know, I just especially love you, whether you're watching online, because you don't really know what's about to happen. Here's the almost end of the story. They say we have only five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says in Matthew 14, 18, 18 bring them here to me. You mean the five loaves and the two fish? Yeah, those. And then in John 6, 10, he says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Boom. Mic drop. What just happened? I want you to see, even if you've just heard this story over and over again, I want you to see that this is not just another miracle. 
in the Bible. It's not just another great story in the Bible how Jesus does a miracle, so just keep praying for years. What do we have here? We have a problem without an obvious solution, right? We have a situation where people simply do not have the resources in and of themselves to solve the problem. We have people who need something, but no one can do anything. And Jesus said, okay, you guys are right. Nothing can be done. You're right. You can't do this. Let's just settle. Why don't we just all give up? Because it's beyond you. No, that's not what he says. He says, I see we have a problem, but bring me what you have. And then he takes it and he blesses it or he transforms it into something far greater than they could have ever imagined. In other words, Jesus, was, Jesus in this situation, he's saying, you have no idea who you're working with. He is, as Paul said, able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. In other words, you guys, you have no idea what God can do through you. Now, does that mean that God, I can just will God into doing what I want him to do for me or others? Of course not. So how, how does this story from 2,000 years ago in the first century apply to us today? Here's a few thoughts that I think will undergird the main idea that I've shared with you in our entire series. Number one. We, can, we can't allow our limited perspective to cause us to forget God's unlimited power. We have limited perspective, don't we? I mean, that's not bad. I'm not saying feel guilty about that right now. I'm not even down on the disciples in this story. It's just how most of us think about most of the stuff that happens in our lives. This isn't a series about how every time you expect something from God, he's obligated to come through with a miracle. Because if God met every expectation we had, he'd never have a chance to exceed them. We see the disciples here acting in much the same way that we do, or at least I can say that I do. This is all I have. I have five loaves and two fishes. And what is that? among so many. This could never make a difference. And I don't know what everybody's story here is, but this applies in so many different ways. You, you're not married, and you want to be desperate. You desperately want to be married and find that person. But you've been waiting a long time, and you're thinking, well, maybe I should just cave. Maybe I should expand my my reach, and you're going to marry outside the faith, or you're going to marry somebody that they'll be with you, but you know that they're not the right person for you. Or maybe you're buried in debt right now, and bankruptcy is looming, and you don't see how you could get out, but in, and so you just think, why should I even start? Why should I even try right now? Maybe you've been waiting on a medical report, and it came back, and it's not good. 
and you look at that and you say, I don't, I don't see how God could do anything in this. I don't see how God could get, how anything good could come from this. Some of you are like, I, I get it, Britt, you know, like we're supposed to dream about what God could do through us, but I, I don't think I have anything to offer to God or to other people. And some of you are thinking like, why, why would I ever financially support a ministry because my what I could really give it's so measly that it would never make a difference so why why would I even do that see we have the same problem the disciples had limited perspective and I think that Jesus was setting them up to see this so clearly in John 6 5 when he turned to Philip and he asked where can we buy bread to feed all these people he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. See, the question here isn't whether you can do it or not. Whether you're capable of it or not. Maybe you're not. But is it possible that the thing that's in front of you, which is probably different for many of us, whatever is in front of you right now, that God already knows what he's going to do? We think because we don't see God acting right now in this moment that he's not doing anything. That's our limited perspective. You know, there's usually that in-between time when we look at what we have and it's not enough. But we can't forget God's unlimited power. And we can't forget that God already knows what he's going to do. Some of you right now are facing something that you think that you are inadequate to face. You think what you have to give is too little. You think that you should just settle. And you think, why try? Why even offer up what you have to offer? And you know, I wonder if God doesn't just chuckle at us in that moment because he already knows what he's going to do. Don't let your limited perspective forget his un cause you to forget his unlimited power. Just remember that you and I have no idea what God can do through us. Now, there's a reason why this math works. Five loaves and two fishes feed over 5,000 people because God doesn't run in the same economy that we as human beings run in. You see, we think addition, but God thinks multiplication. We think addition, God thinks multiplication. When the disciples assessed the situation for what they saw, what they saw it for, what it really was, they said, we have a lot of hungry people, a lot of them. They felt a sense of responsibility to do something about it. To do something about it. And when they weighed their resources against the number of people, it didn't add up. We have 5,000 people plus. And we have five loaves and two fishes. The math doesn't work, does it? It's not enough. In Mark's account, it seems like Jesus was even leading them to this conclusion on purpose. When he asked them, like, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And the disciples come back, but there's this kid that has five loaves and two fish. That's what we've got here, Jesus, but, but that's not enough. You see, five loaves and two fish were enough because God multiplied it. How did that happen? 
You know, the Bible doesn't tell us. I mean, did, when, Jesus, when this was happening, did Jesus, did all of a sudden a big pile of bread and fish appear? And then they just kept going back over to it and filling it up. Or I picture it being more like, how many of you can remember when we used to pass the tray for communion with the little cups in it? You remember that? Anybody go old school like that? And then the little wafers of bread. And then we had ushers and they would stand at the end and pass the thing. Did, did it happen like that? Were they like taking the tray and then sending it down the next aisle and going, whoa, I hope it makes, makes it down the aisle because there's not enough in there. I, we, have, we have no idea. But God's math doesn't work like ours. God has a different economy than we do. His ways are higher than ours. God is exponential in his math. See, when we're generous with what he's given us, whether it's our time, effort, gifts, experiences, money, circumstances, marriages, families, he can cause that to affect more people than we could ever imagine because God multiplies what we have. God is a multiplier. Now, some of you are thinking what you have isn't even enough that makes it worth to bother. Some of you are in a marriage right now that you think that you don't have enough capacity left in you to keep working on your marriage. Some of you are serving in ministries and you think that that little thing that you do, I mean, really, what, what really does that do? I mean, do, do, am I a world changer if I'm an usher or I'm in the tech booth or I help out in middle school or I hold babies during the service? Some of you have thought, well, you know, like I should start giving to the mission at Sunridge, and you're like, but man, it's like my offering would be so small. It wouldn't even make a difference, so why bother? And some of you are in the middle of a parent crisis, and you think, I'm not going to make it. This is not how I thought it was going to be, and nothing I'm doing is, is getting through to my kids right now. I want you to remember that God doesn't do addition. He does multiplication because he's exponential. And we have no idea what God can do through us. Now, how many of you guys took high school geometry? How many of you skipped it the whole time? <laughs> Remember all those theorems and postulates and formulas? I've tried to forget them. You had to plug all these factors into those formulas to get the answer, right? And God's exponential math works the same way. The factors have to be plugged in in order for it to work. You remember, like, they'd give you a problem, and it'd be like, solve for X. Remember that? Solve for X. So let me turn our main thought into a geometry lesson. You have no idea what God can do through X. Solve for X. What is X? This is the participation part. <laughs> you guys afraid to say it? It's you. I hear people uh, do what I call like spiritual talk and say, well, it's all God. Everything's God. Like I do nothing. Maybe sometimes that's true. But you know, 
<clears throat> Sometimes I think that's a cop-out. Often, that's not true or biblical. How did Jesus th feed the crowd here? Did he just throw down a miracle? Nope. They said, these people are hungry and we don't have enough to feed them. We should send them home. Or the implied thing there is that you're, you're going to need to handle this one all on your own, Jesus. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I mean, how confusing must that have been to them? We only have five loaves and two fish. I mean, I guess we could send this around and everyone take like a little tiny nibble. And then Jesus says, bring them here to me. And they did. And then what transpired? They gave to Jesus what they had. He blessed it. He gave it back to them. And then he said, you go feed them. So in order to see God do exponential things through us, all you have to do is show up. All you have to do is show up. Now, can you, can you like erase this story and then imagine what would have happened if they decided not to assess their situation with what they had or they decided not to bring what they had to Jesus and then follow his instructions? What would have happened? Nothing. The disciples thought what they had was not enough and they were right. And then Jesus said, how about we do this one together? When we give what God has given to us, what we have, God multiplies it. John 15 talks about how God wants to bear fruit through us. But we dig the hole and plant the tree. Now, I don't know what part of your life today feels inconsequential beyond you. As I mentioned, it could be your marriage. It could be your kids. It could be that you think that you have nothing to offer and others do. But Jesus says, bring what you have to me. Bring it to me. Just show up. That's all he asks. Give it to me and let me do something with it. The exponential part depends on each of us showing up with what we have. You guys know about the Gideons? Gideons? My first Bible was a Gideon Bible, a New Testament with Psalms, and was given to me by Holy Joe at Hollover Beach in Miami, Florida. I, I've talked about him before. He's like this, he would wear a suit um, and pull up in a Lincoln Continental at the beach and open his, he was a real character, open his trunk and he had all these Bibles, and he would give out these New Testaments. They were Gideon Bibles. And then he would preach a sermon. And people made fun of him. And, but that was my first Bible. Gideon International was formed in 1898 when three traveling salesmen, John Nicholson, Samuel Hill, and Will Knight, and their wives, came up with the idea to place Bibles in hotels. Have you seen one? Anybody seen a Gideon Bible in the hotel? Okay. 
I'm sure you have. Because what those three couples started with, with limited resources, grew to where they didn't just want to pay, place a few Bibles in a few hotels. They wanted to put them in all the hotels. And then they wanted to put them in hospitals and jails. And so now the Gideon Bibles are in 200 countries and are published in 108 languages. And how many Bibles do you think that they have distributed? How many Bibles? Do you, are you ready for this? Two billion. Two billion Bibles. Can you believe it? I wonder what number mine was. <laughs> Do you think the Nicholsons, the Knights, and the Hills were thinking about a long-haired 14-year-old kid who hiked to Hollover Beach that day when they started the Gideons? Do you think they had any idea of what God was going to do through them? They probably would have been content with just like getting, their, getting some Bibles in a few hotels. That would have been all right too. But all they did was give God what God had given to them. But they had no idea what God was going to do through them after having done that. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Do you know how this story of the loaves and fishes ends? I hope not because I hope you've erased it from your memory, right? <laughs> Let me read it to you. John 6, 12. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Seems like a wonderful ending, doesn't it? But my question is, why ask them to gather the leftovers? Was Jesus trying to be ecological? Was trying to like be light on the land and make sure they picked up their mess? Or was he wanting to gather it all up and drop it off at Community Mission of Hope on their way home? What do you think they were thinking when they were picking up the scraps? What would you be thinking? I think I would, I would be going like, whoa, what just happened? I might have like looked around at my buddy and go, dude, do you, do you see what just happened? And in John, verse 14, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet that we've been expecting. What happened here, what the end result of their simple obedience, their simple actions was that they saw who Jesus really was. It revealed something about this man, this rabbi that they had been following that they could have never seen unless this happened. And it could have never happened if they didn't show up. And as I mentioned, you know, this story is in all four of the Gospels. So obviously, it impacted every one of the authors. And my goal for this series that we're calling Exponential over the next couple of weeks is to impress that po a point upon you that all God asks is that we show up in every area of our life. He asks us to just bring him what we have in our marriage, 
tomorrow in parenting, at work, where you're just grinding it out, or in your business where you're struggling right now, or in your relationship, or at your church, in every area of our lives to show up like God wants us to do. And oftentimes, what we have to bring to him is going to seem like it's not enough. It's going to seem inconsequential. But if we bring that to him in obedience to him, he makes it exponential. You have no idea what God can do through you. Hey, everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.